Good morning, good evening, and good day. You're listening to Drama Buds, an anima podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to today's episode of Drama Buds. I have very bittersweet feelings about the show I'm reviewing today because I think it was good. No, still great. I still think it was great, but could have been even greater if things behind the scenes had not happened. So yesterday, I'm talking about $1 Lawyer. I will probably talk a little bit about what I think happened behind the scenes and why things ended up the way that they did and why I'm so mad that I can't like call this instant fave of a show just because it couldn't reach its full potential. Uh, it just frustrates me so much. Anyway, brief background on the show. Uh, written by the same writers, Defendant and City Hunter, has a rookie director, and it stars Nam Gung Min, who I've seen in Hot Stove League, seven episodes of Awaken, maybe two episodes of Chief Kim, or The Good Manager, and stars Kim Ji-un, who I've seen briefly in Strangers from Hell, barely in Again My Life, and she was in The Veil with Nam Gung Min. It's about Chun Ji-hoon, who is a lawyer who charges 1,001 as legal fee for all types of clients. And Baek Mari, who is the granddaughter of a law firm CEO. But instead of working for her family, she's told to work for Ji-hoon to learn from him first. I'm gonna change up the flow a little bit. I'll skip the plot and character segment in this episode. Because really, that's all there is to it. I'm not, I'm not kidding. They solve a few cases in wacky ways. I'll get to that later. I'll get to the whole pacing of the show later. Chun Ji-hoon has a sad backstory that I might as well just talk about when I talk about the pacing of the show anyway. So I'll get to that later. And the characters, I feel like the way I describe them, we'll get there. We'll get there. You know, they're not the deepest. But everything about this show is relatively shallow. In a good way, in a light way. I mean, shallow is the negative word for light. It's a light show. It has a light plot, light characters, and light resolutions to the plot. But it's enjoyable. And if the goal of the show was to give you a good time, to give me a good time, it definitely, definitely succeeded. So let's just get this part out of the way. This show was made for Nam Gungmin. Like, Chun Ji-hoon is a combination of his two most popular characters. So Chief Kim and Baek Song-soo from Hot Stove Dig. It's comedic, it's stoic, but still emotive, emotional in some aspects. Really, Nam Gung-min is the perfect actor for this role. And I'm pretty sure they wrote this entire show hinging on him taking the role. I haven't liked a wacky or wacky-ish lawyer drama since Hyena. That was what, November 2020 when I watched that. And I know that that show was carried by the charisma of Kim Yesu and Joo Ji-hoon. More on Hyena later, yes. I will finally talk about Hyena on the podcast. Finally. In this case, in $1 Lawyer, it's carried by Nam Gung Min's charisma. His expressions, both comedic and stoic, his warmth, his wackiness, his chemistry with everyone around him. And I swear everyone was cast here because they probably worked with him before. He has great chemistry with absolutely everyone. And everyone more or less interacts 
with him. Like, Chun Ji-hoon is the center, the core of this show. And he makes absolutely every aspect of the show work. It could really be a one-man show, but because they all work so well with him. And honestly, the cast is pretty great. Like, the supporting cast, they're all pretty great. We have Choi Dae-hoon, guys. My favorite's here. <laughs> My favorite supporting guy of 2022 is here. Everyone's great, but because they also work well with him and Nam Gung-min is so, so, so good, it becomes even more fun to watch. So now we can actually review the show properly. I just need to say that I love Nam Gung-min so much. He's such a great actor. I missed seeing him in a show that's actually watchable for me personally. And yeah, that's it. Let's just let's go to the real review, okay? You know, from episode 2, I think, I knew immediately, like, this is more fun than I expected it to be, and I'm really gonna enjoy this. I adore the pacing of the first 8 episodes of the show. You know I enjoy something when I can clearly, you know, mark arc 1, arc 2, arc 3. It's very fun for me when I'm able to summarize big chunks of a show that way. So let's go with the first case, which lasted for an episode and a half. This introduced the characters, their personalities, the setup. We get to know Chun Ji-hoon as this wacky lawyer with weird ways of defending his clients. And we have Baek Mari, who's this arrogant prosecutor who can't keep up with him. Standard stuff, you know, setting things up. That's fine. We just get a taste of their humor. That's great. The second case started in the middle of episode 2 until the end of episode 3. So another episode and a half. Big Marie is added to the team. How does she adjust to Chun Ji-hoon's methods? Does she possess the smarts, the wits, the skills to keep up with him? And the answer is yes. Big Marie still has a lot to learn from Ji-hoon. Like, he's... A lot of steps ahead of her, but she's smart, okay? She has something to bring to the table. And she's not completely a stuck-up prosecutor or she's not a completely money-hungry, greedy lawyer who'll only do things for the money or doesn't care about the victims or anything like that. She has some hope in her. We, we can work with this. We can work with this. So the third case starts out very cleanly in episode 4 and lasts for two and a half episodes. They got very abruptly to the storyline. There was no lead-up to it the way the first two episodes kind of flowed into one another. So the client just approached them. Okay, it was a murder case also. So it wasn't funny like the first two cases, which worried me. But, you know, trust the writer, trust the process. Honestly, they delivered. You know, these kinds of murder mystery cases, you start to think like, like, okay, they introduced this obviously sketchy character and they're looking at each other weird and there's money involved. So yeah, it's probably gonna be this plot twist, whatever. But in fairness to them, they caught me by surprise. I really won't spoil this. And in terms of, you know, the case, yeah, is standalone. But what does it bring to the character development, I guess? Or how does it lead into the next case as most episodes do. The third case was meant to bring more intrigue to Jihoon's character. Because you have to ask, why was he such a good investigator? Why does he know French? Why does he pretend to be a scaredy cat but he's actually incredibly competent on his own? And what's his history with these prosecutors? How come he seems to know the prosecutors that Mari used to work with? And that all leads to the fourth case, which is the flashback case. 
and lasts for another two and a half episodes where Bek Marie asks her prosecutor Sonbe, who worked with Jihoon when he was a prosecutor, about his whole backstory. And literally, this is Nayajin relaying Jihoon's story to Mari. So when we go to the flashback, it shows Jihoon being a much more serious person as a prosecutor. He's very no-nonsense. He's willing to do whatever to find the truth. And then he meets Lee Joong, played by Lee Chung Ah, another one of Nam Gong-win's former co-stars. So she's a lawyer under law firm Bek, right? Bek Marie's grandfather's law firm. And she doesn't like that she's defending people who are clearly corrupt and encourages Jihoon as a prosecutor to stick to his justice, even if it means that she will lose their case. And in uncovering the truth of this particular case, it leads Jihoon to his politician father, who you see he's a good person, he's a principled person, he's a good judge or prosecutor, I forgot. But he was caught in this corruption scheme and he can't wipe his hands clean of, of what he's done or what he's part of. And now Jihoon has to expose all of that. And Jihoon becomes consumed by this case. He becomes even darker, even more serious. But now he has Lee Juyong who reminds him that he's a person who shouldn't live only in the past. And as soon as he decides to kind of let go of his guilt, of his mistakes, of his regrets of not being able to solve this case in time, as soon as he decides to live for the present and for a future with Juyong, they kill her off. Now, is this a classic case of fridging? Where, you know, a character only exists for a man's man pain <laughs> and his character development? Yes. Yes, it is. But it is what it is, you know? It's like, okay. She only existed to be perfect and to be a complete foil, the light of his world, and then to die. And then to make him who he is now. It is what it is. That's fine. And this whole backstory, which once again was being told to Mari this entire time, leads her to understanding him better and truly wanting to work with him to help him. Now, some people complained about this flashback taking so long, right? It's two and a half episodes of this really bleak flashback that they you completely out of the current plot. But then you have to ask yourself, like, was there a current plot? They solved the previous case. There was no, like, overarching storyline at that moment. So this kind of introduced that. But I think people's complaints got much worse when they announced that the show was going to be shortened from 14 episodes to 12 episodes at the time that the flashback episodes were airing. But, you know, I will stand by the opinion that this flashback was part of the original plan. Like, if they really followed the 14 episode plan, the flashback was important and absolutely necessary and perfectly placed to lead up to the present storyline where they tackle the case that Jihoon was really consumed by. And also, I have to say, I really like the delivery of the flashback, right? That it's a complete clean flashback, not little moments peppered here and there, even if it takes us out of the present storyline. I like it because it removes the need to tell this story again to the characters. Like, you know how some flashbacks, they just kind of randomly show up. They exist in the in the involved character's mind because they're reminiscing. But in this case, it's a story being told to another character. So that knowledge is not just with us, the audience, and with the involved character. It's also with another person who can do something with that information. Do you get what I mean? But anyway, yeah. My point is, this flashback was necessary. This was part of the original plan. This was not filler. It was important to the flow of the story and creating the overarching storyline that would have continued to the second half of the show and continued until the end of the show. And I like the execution of it.
Now, starting with episode 9, things slowly started to go downhill. Episode 9, before we get back to, you know, the story story, as I told you, that we're kind of tackling the case that Jihoon had to leave behind, we have a little filler episode to bring us back to the original flow of the show. Episode 9 is very wacky, very stupid, <laughs> but that's what the show was two and a half episodes ago, and I'm okay with it. It also shows how the lawyer squad and the prosecutor squad, including uh, Mari Sonbe and Somenyuk, who by the way is pining after Bek Mari because he wants to marry her genuinely, while his father, who's working for Mari's grandfather, kind of seems like he just wants it for the power or to make Minyuk into the inheritor of the law firm. A plotline that's completely trashed, by the way. More on that later. Anyway, including Harrison Ben and Somenyuk working together with the lawyer squad, which I like. I guess I'm a little tired of lawyers versus prosecutors since it's usually the lawyers are defending the good guys and the prosecutors have some corruption thing going on and that's why they're the bad guys. But that totally removes that kind of plotline here. They're mostly working towards the same goals and I found that very refreshing because I didn't have to doubt if these characters were good people. I didn't have to be annoyed that they're given screen time it's they're fun they're fun characters they have their own little lives going on and i wish we had more of them but more on that later okay let's go on to episode 10 in here june's whole backstory is known to all of the characters including samu jang the office secretary that they work with and so we move to the final plot line finding joyong's killer and taking down the big bad so it's solidified that the lawyer squad is working towards an active goal together and not just taking whatever case comes to them. And the prosecutors are also working towards this goal from a different angle. So ultimately, they're all working for the same thing. That's why even if they were kind of doing things very separately from each other, there was distinctly lawyer squad doing something, prosecutor squad doing something. I was interested because I knew that they were going to meet up at the same place and do the same thing. And it just, I don't know, it just created a very pleasant atmosphere. I liked all of the characters. And this case poses the question, you know, is Jihoon still living in the past? Like, what does he really want to do with the knowledge of who Joo Young's killer is? And in episode 11, the answers are, yes, he's still living in the past and he's just living for revenge. But is that what Joo Young would want for him? Like, isn't that literally the whole thing of why he wanted to marry her? Because he wanted to let go of the past and live for the future, right? So no, she wouldn't want that for him. So he vanishes and we have a time skip. Oh, my friends, it's not great. It was it was not pleasant. It was like, oh God, a time skip. But whatever, okay, fine. Let's just, we're here already. Let's just finish the ride. So before Chon Jihoon obviously has to come back, we see Mari with law firm Beck. She's doing great. She's a good lawyer. We all knew that. But she doesn't look happy. And she's not wearing her gorgeous, colorful suits that are color-coordinated with whatever suit Jihoon is wearing. I love their outfits. I haven't even gotten to mention that. Their outfits here are so good. Anyway, so now that Mari is where she originally wanted to be, right? That's when she realizes that she truly enjoyed working with Jihoon and Samujang and doing these little cases for the little people. And so when Jihoon eventually comes back, he's totally done living in the past and he wants to seek actual justice the way he used to before. Yes, 
we can complain about the time skip. But you know, there are factors at play here that I will talk about later. And I, I guess guess this is the best we could do. Maybe this really is the best they could do with the cards that were dealt to them very late in the game. Now we have to talk about the finale. Episode 12 was a plot roller coaster. I, I can't even begin to summarize everything that happened. They it was just too much. They tried to introduce some comedy to it, but nothing had the space or the time to breathe. And gosh, you know, they tried their best to deliver what they promised to deliver, right? They they said we're gonna give you a good time. They tried. Could it have been better? Absolutely. Yes, it absolutely could have been better. But the finale had to prioritize wrapping up the plot in a way that wasn't too rushed in terms of like actual plot events, right? Where if it were that easy to fix things, if you only needed to do one, two, three things to fix things, why couldn't you have done that earlier? So they had to add more twists and turns and make it a bit more convoluted. They crammed a lot into this last episode and it felt rushed in delivery. So rushed not in terms of plot events, but rushed in terms of things were going way too fast. Like, there were a lot of deus ex machina moments and switcheroos that came out of nowhere were unexplained. Or they tried to explain it, but yeah, deus ex machina. They just weren't able to give us a lot of time with the characters just being the characters, right? There was no finale fluff that I would have wanted in this situation because these characters made the show fun. Like, the plot was really just introduced uh, maybe in episode 8 or honestly in episode 10. So I wanted to spend more time with the characters just being goofy and whatever. And they essentially had to drop any and all character arcs, especially for Mari and for Minyok, who I wanted to see so much more of. Like they really just had to wrap up the plot in terms of Jihoon's backstory case. That's it. And you know what really frustrates me about this finale and with everything that's happened to the show? I can tolerate a writer who doesn't know what to do after episode 8, right? I mean, most of the time, they write the first four episodes to show to the actors. And then, yeah, they have a few episodes after that. And most of the time, they just run out of ideas after episode 8. So it, it is what it is. I can tolerate that. I've been there before. Uh, I can tolerate a PD who doesn't know how to deliver the right tone of the show or they have like a very mediocre cinematographer or music director or they have a low budget to work with. I can tolerate those things. It's fine. I can even tolerate bad actors. I mean, you know, not everyone is born knowing how to act. It's okay. I've tolerated it so many times. It's fine. But... I cannot tolerate when a show falters because of the broadcasting station or the production company or the advertisers, right? Because it would be ideal if shows were made in a vacuum where the, the powers that be have no effect on the quality of a drama. That a drama is truly just a reflection of everyone's abilities to make a show. That it's just a measure of having a good writer, a good director, a good cast and crew, good actors. That's it. So we can critique something just through the writing or directing or acting. That's it. 
But like everything in life, there are external factors. There are confounding variables in this experiment. And One Dollar Lawyer is one of those cases where you can really feel that something happened behind the scenes. Or at least I was very much tuned into the news, <laughs> the, the K-drama news. So I knew that things were happening behind the scenes. Because you really have to ask yourself, why would SBS shorten their biggest hit of the year? At least in terms of ratings in Korea. And then came the delayed broadcast of one episode per week. Like you could say, oh yeah, because there were baseball games or whatever. But I mean, you could find a way around that. But delaying the broadcast week after week slowed the momentum of the show down in terms of ratings, in terms of hype. So it just shows that maybe there's a reason for them to delay it because they need the extra time to churn out these episodes. And then came the news that the writer had issues with Studio S, with SBS's production company. And they denied that, but I I don't believe it. I do not believe that there was no issue with the writer and the production company. Because I really don't think this is the show that they wanted to make. I think those two extra episodes could have been made if the writer had stayed on the project and they weren't scrambling to come up with a decent enough ending. Like, at the very least, they wrapped up the plot and didn't leave, you know, some cliffhanger for season two. Like, at the very least, they had the decency to do that. Was the execution good? Not really, but it's the best that they could do. I, I do think it's the best that they could do given the roadblocks and the limitations that were handed to them. So you may ask, girl, you're passionate about the show. You don't even like law dramas or comedies. And you're right, I really don't. But for the first time in a long time, a wacky law drama has worked for me. Like This is my favorite of that sub-sub genre. Off the top of my head, I mostly compared this to Hyena and Vincenzo. First, Hyena. I mentioned this earlier. That show was carried by the charisma of Kim Yesoo and Joo Ji-hoon. I do not remember a single thing about the cases. And it was mostly about corporate law. So I feel like, I'm sorry, that's boring by default. Sometimes you watch a plotty show just for the actors. And that's fine, okay? If you look at those two, I mean, I would watch anything just to watch them. I am still very firm in the opinion that this is Joo Ji-hoon's best role and that the main couple is probably my... Oh my goodness. Would I say top four K-drama couples of all time? Possibly. Possibly. I'm, I really... Their dynamic is not great. It's not healthy, wholesome, happy, but... But I love them so much. I'd say the leads were stronger in Hyena, right? Because, I mean, two extremely strong performances and characters versus Nam Gungmin being the star of this amazing show. But uh, the plot of Hyena was forgettable and the supporting cast is not nearly as strong as One Dollar Lawyer. So, yeah, in that aspect, ODL still wins. And now, Vincenzo. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is common knowledge, but I really never hid the fact that this show didn't impress me. 
that I couldn't buy into the hype no matter how hard I tried. That I didn't get obsessed with Chasenzo the way I wanted to. Like, I thought I would get obsessed with this or this seems like a dynamic I would get into. But for some reason, it just didn't click. Not that I didn't like both actors. I, I don't know. I don't know. And then I never hid that I found the humor not funny. And this writer also wrote Chief Kim, right? And also The Fiery Priest with Kim Nam-gil. He writes these star vehicles, male-dominated star vehicle shows. And I don't know. I just, I don't find his humor funny. I don't find his humor funny at all. And Vincenzo, I just found it boring. Like the plot itself, I found it boring and I found it too long. It was way too long. If the goal of the show was to be cool or to make you like or be amused by these 20 plus characters or to make you root for them being just as bad as the villains, then I guess it failed for me. And also for me, ODL succeeded in some aspects, some crucial aspects that Vincenzo really failed for me. Like, One Dollar Lawyer was funny 80%, like a solid 80% of the times that it wanted to be funny. Because, you know, Korean humor will not always hit. It is what it is. ODL was cool when it wanted to be cool. Uh, it was dark when it wanted to be dark. And it was emotional when it had to be emotional. And I guess I came up with three important factors. Uh, number one, the writing of ODL is tighter. Given that it isn't thinning it out to 20 episodes of an hour and a half each. I checked. I checked Netflix again. Minimum was like an hour 15 minutes. But most episodes were really an hour and 20 minutes. Why? Why? Why do you need that much time? 20 episodes of an hour and 20 minutes. That's, that's too much. Do you need a drama to be 18 to 20 movies long if I'm doing the math right that's too much that's way too much and also I feel like in terms of the writing One Dollar Lawyer committed to being a comedy better than Vincenzo committed to being a dark comedy it's like if you're gonna do something you better just do one thing well instead of committing to two things and not doing either of them well you know okay number two important factor ODL did not have 20 plus characters to fill up all the unnecessary airtime. Once again, airtime was too much. The few characters that ODL had were all really great and made a great environment, a great atmosphere. And number three, <sighs> I can't believe I'm saying this. I love Song joong -ki. I really do. Please don't say that I don't like Song joong -ki. I do like him. But it doesn't have half of the charisma that Nam Gung Min has. Which is like, so unfair to compare. I, I know, I have to say it. Because if Vincenzo was meant to be Song Joong Ki's star vehicle, then I guess it didn't highlight his strengths as well as I wanted it to. Like, is dark comedy supposedly his strength? I don't really think so. If that was meant to be his star vehicle, it wasn't a very impressive vehicle. It, yeah. All this to say, all this to say, I still don't think I'm a wacky law drama fan. You know, I still don't think I'm gonna enjoy one of these kinds of shows anytime soon. But Nam Gung Min is the heart, soul, glue, magic carpet ride of the show. He didn't even just carry it. He took it 
to a whole new world, okay? And yeah, a lot of this hinged on Nam Gung-min just being great. And that's okay. It's okay that the show wasn't too ambitious and just wanted to give people a good time. I, I feel like I said this exact same thing about Business Proposal. It's like, aim low, but hit the mark. Yeah, and also Business Proposal also kind of faltered towards the end. It is what it is. Once again, I'd rather that you aim low, hit it, 80% of the show, 80% of the time. That's okay with me. That's better than trying to do too much and failing to do anything. So yeah, that's it for me today. Despite everything I've said, I still rate the show as a solid 9 out of 10. And let me list down all the shows that I've also given a 9 out of 10. It's in the same rank as Be Melodramatic, DP, Hot Stove League, Idol the Coup, Inspector Coup, It's Okay That's Love, Life, The Two Seasons of Stranger, and Yumi Cells. Yeah, it's, it's among that rank, in my heart at least, okay? You know, I'm not completely objective all the time. And I put it at my top three of the year. Legit, yeah. Higher than Pachinko, just a bit below Through the Darkness. Yeah, I really did like it. I really did enjoy it. And I feel like I'm so biased towards it because I know that what it is is not entirely the fault of the people directly involved in making it. Do you know what I mean? I feel like there's just, I just have so much anger towards the broadcasting station or the production company if they really messed up the final product of the show. I know we shouldn't judge a show based on what it could have been. We should just judge it based on what it is. But yeah, I saw what the show was at the beginning and what it was leading up to. And I have full faith that if they were given all the time in the world and all the resources and everything, they could have ended it in a really, really satisfying way. Like, I have faith that they could have done it. But things behind the scenes happen. And I just, my heart goes out to the creators. You know, my heart goes out to them. I would still be happy to watch a second season of this. With the same cast, the same PD, and the same writer. I want the same writer. Except this time, let it be completely pre-produced, right? Advertisers shouldn't worry because it was a hit in Korea. It could have been an even bigger hit. They don't have to worry about their money going to waste or anything. So yeah, let it be completely pre-produced. So that it could have all the time in the world to be the show that it wants to be. But yeah, that's it for me today. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to leave a comment, like, subscribe, follow, and tell me what you thought about today's episode. See you soon!